anything else? We don't want to know. We're dedicated yes. to our favorite shows. Oh, my ticket. Everybody loves Hippotoes. Gary Dog. Larson at Blurnville. Futurama. Good evening, baby. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> this is TV Party Tonight. I'm your host, the mandated reporter, and frankly, I'm mortified, Mr. Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite show is AEW. Come one, come all, come everybody. Uh, no, AEW All Out. <laughs> Zip. Uh, joining me tonight is the one and only Chris Bailey from the Superblog Satellite Team Up Toys G.I. Joe GoBots. Jesus, this guy can't get it right. I'm so excited, Mark. Are you? I'm here to talk about, oh, the debut. The debut everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about All In. The Butcher is back. <laughs> yes, the Butcher was back at the, bucket, the, the Butcher was back at All Out and Zip. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's all the way out, baby. Uh, yeah, no, there were, there were one or two debuts here at All Out, and we'll get to them momentarily. All right. So um, let's just jump right into this. No table setting. We got a lot to talk about. This was a long show. This was like almost four hours, I think. And it felt every... It was a good show, just to kind of give that away. But it felt every bit of that four hours. And I will tell you that after... I, I It was either after the Women's Battle Royal or after Jericho MJF. I, I am an old man. <laughs> and I was getting tired. And I have to say, they were starting to lose me a little bit. Like I was interested in the in the matches, short of the, no, not the Big Show match. I was interested in the rest of the matches, CM Punk, Darby Allen, obviously the main event and all that. Oh yeah. But like it was, I was having, I was having a hard time like staying awake. I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need these wrestling companies to start their pay per views at like six and go to nine. Can we do that, Mark? Mark, if you were in the Newfoundland time zone, you would have known that this mm -hmm. pay per view ended at quarter to two in the morning, and then I, oh, then God. this guy. <laughs> was at work for 6 30 the next day. Cry me a river. Chris Bailey. He goes to do. work when he's tired. <laughs> 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 I right. watched the last match on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> was your wife like, pay attention to me? And you're like, no. I said, listen, this is all in. I, can't, I have no time for the sex. Yeah, she's like, Chris I did Bailey, not say that. No, I, I did not I say that. I don't know if your wife refers to you by your first and last name, but in my mind, she does. And she's like, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey. She has to do it times three like I do. Um, <laughs> pay attention to me. And you're like, no, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you can It never gets old, Mark. It never gets it, old. It never does. Um, <laughs> I was doing that. I was so if you're not watching, if you're just listening to traditional audio and you're not listening, you're not watching on the video. And really, why aren't you? Um, I keep doing the thumb thing that Adam Cole does, not the thumb up the ass, but the you know, pointing <laughs> to himself, <laughs> Adam Cole, baby. And I don't, um, I don't know why he's talking about Adam Cole. I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that has something to do with what happens later. I, Who knows? I have indie wrestling Tourette's anyway. So I kept doing that to my kids. Uh, you know, my, my wife's like, can you go check on Jonas and make sure he's getting ready for school? And I walked into this room and I'm just like, and I'm like, Hey, are you ready for school yet? He's like, what now? And I'm like, Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was what a great moment. <laughs> walking, what into a my great daughter, moment. 
walk into my daughter's room, do the Adam Cole baby thing, and she's just rolling <laughs> her eyes at me. <laughs> you like, you need your own entrance music, Mark, every time you debut in the house in the morning. Up at a bed, <laughs> entrance music. Boom, Adam Cole, baby. <laughs> I should just I should just walk, I should just blast this through the house. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> All right. Enough silliness now. All right. So the dark match, your match on YouTube, your pre-show match, uh, was the best friends of Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, and whatever the hell a Wheel of Yuta is, versus and Jurassic Express of Jungle Boy and the Luchasaurus with the Marco stunt. They defeated Hardy Family Office, HFO, consisting of Matt Hardy, Private Potty, the Hybrid 2, who is Angelico and Jack Evans, who were with the Blade, and they de defeated them by submission. It was a 10-man tag, and, you know, this was fine. It was a fun, frenetic, lots of shit happening on the screen, yeah. crowd-pleasing, AEW-style match. I really don't have much more to say about it than that. No, it really it really, uh, it really, was. I mean, it, it got that whole flippity-doo thing right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's exactly what you need to warm the crowd up with, because believe it or not, they only went to the flippity doos just a couple times in this entire pay-per-view, to be quite honest with you. And uh, at least we got it out of the way, out of the gate. No, no real, no real big shocks here or anything. Uh, I think the right team won. And uh, poor old Hardy and the HFO, man. I don't know. But at the very end, we saw the day or the return, return, Mark Radlich, of the butcher. Yes, it was all very Ooh. exciting. And a, the internet a, was was a flutter. It was a canary in the coal mine for what was to come. Um, so I have a Indeed question. It was. Sure. Well, it was like, what, May with Double or Nothing, where uh, Orange Cassidy was like in the semi-main event. He was in the world title mm -hmm. uh, with um, Kenny Omega and what right. was it, Pac, I think it was. Yes. And now he's like jerking the curtain. Like, you know, here's my sort of philosophical question for you. With all of the... Um, indie darlings that were wwe main eventers now currently fleeing like jacob from uh <laughs> from the company of wrestling kaiju that is the wwe um is there room for the orange cassidy's of the world what do you think i mean is this is this a is this a thing of yet uh, of what's to come of some of these guys that were holding up aew and were homegrown built talent and now they're being shuffled I think that's a bit of the fear, but I think what we're seeing here is that the folks who are showing up are, you know, I mean, we'll take a look at CM Punk. I mean, his first thing he puts over when he didn't put over, mm -hmm. but he sort of put over within the confines of a wrestling match, Darby Allen. So, I mean, they're here. Uh, yes, but I don't know if they're taking the place of other people. So they're interacting properly. I think they're being inserted into the picture. Mm -hmm. uh, with a plan, not to the detriment of the talent that's there. Now you might say, well, why is Orange Cassidy jerking the curtain? Well, guess what? It's no longer a bad thing to jerk the curtain because I tell you what, if you're in Chicago, I don't know if it's a bad thing to be the first guy out through that curtain. Let's put it that way. That's fair. All right. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I remember when I was in high school, we had a rock show and I remember uh, one of the bands going, I either want to be first or I want to be third because anything oh. beyond first or third is forgotten. And I'm like, huh, oh, yeah. interesting philosophy. I, I, well, I'll tell you this philosophy. How about this? Would you rather be opening the show with a mega molten hot crowd like we had? Right. Or would you rather be poor Christian Cage walking out to people who are like literally asleep in the seats? <laughs> that was my problem. And, and that's a really good point. All right. Uh, moving on. 
the best match of the night. Easily the best wrestling match of the night. Your hero and mine, God's favorite champion, Miro, the TNT champion. And boy, is he explosive. Real Miro. Like we're getting the real friggin' deal here, man. Hot bananas. Uh, mm. took, took on the king, Eddie Kingston. Uh, and they went about 13 minutes. And I'll tell you, the, my biggest issue, and this is going to come up later with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers, is I really don't like wrestling matches that don't feel like fights. Right. Like, you know. <laughs> you the, didn't have the, that problem the, here. The lost art of making this look like a struggle, as Jim Cornette often talks about, um, is, is a rare thing indeed. And so when it happens, like, I don't need light bulbs to the head and people falling off cages and, you know, and explosions. I just right. need it to look like a real. Convince me you're having a real fight. We'll sing your praises. And Miro, and, and it doesn't get any better than Miro versus Eddie Kingston. This looked like a real struggle, a real fight. And it was by far the best match of the night and easily my favorite. It went downhill from here. This was oh, awesome. Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, like, it's good to see two people who mm -hmm. are at the very peak of their game. I mean, Miro, you can say what you want when he was over in WWE. This is the Miro that we've always wanted on our screen, and he's dominant. He's winning. Mm -hmm. That's right, folks. That's right, WWE, if you're paying attention. The way the push people get them to win, hard mm -hmm. concept to figure out, I understand. And then you have a guy who's a sentimental favorite, Nettie Kingston. And I'm telling yep. you, this crowd ate this match up. And yeah. they gave you exactly what you wanted. Two studs absolutely laying it in thick and heavy. I love this friggin' match. Great start to this show. This is the best Miro's looked since he rode awesome. in on a tank at WrestleMania in San Francisco. What, he's but 100%. Awesome now. He's, he really is. And, and, Eddie, and Eddie Kingston always lays his shit in. But like if the other guy's not there to take it and give it back, it looks goofy. And oh, these and, guys, these these guys were beating each other head on. Boom. Oh yeah, this was Loved this it. was this was two rare stakes being slammed together. It was fantastic. And, and guess what? Miro with no Lana, no gimmicks, straight mm. up Miro. Love no, I, I love him as God's favorite champion. He's Me too. Me too. Do, do not add anything else to this gimmick right now. It's exactly no. what it should be. Don't Dominance. give him, don't give him goons. Just make him keep talking to God. <laughs> and, and then killing people and then saying they're no. redeemed which no, is by the no, way I think I, if you're looking if you're figuring out what to try to get me i don't have an only fans just yet they they yep. you know i will eventually for all of this um <laughs> absolutely and i will publish my wish list like all the other girls do so for people <laughs> to send them gifts but if you're just wondering right now what to send me for christmas i need a redeem these nuts t-shirt <laughs> right to wear proudly to student council uh, to parent teacher conferences and stuff. Thank you. Writing uh, writing it down now. Yes, I I'm a I'm a two X or a three X depending on you know what I've eaten that day. I need to redeem these nuts <laughs> t shirts. <laughs> Moving on. Um, next up we had John Moxley versus Satoshi Kojima, straight up from New Japan. This took uh, about twelve minutes. John Moxley beat him by pinfall. <laughs> And then uh, Minoru Suzuki came out. Uh, those two have mixed it up in the past. I believe they fought each other in New Japan, and now they're going to do it again this Wednesday on uh, tonight, as, as we're recording this on uh, Dynamite. And I will. I'm going to say this now. It's going to come up again a little bit later. But I I was thinking a lot about like ECW in the mid '90s, and look, ECW was never the best wrestling. And, yeah, you know, and, right. and the, the hitting people over the head with all manner of objects was only going to get you so far. The thing that I've always argued was the best part about ECW and what made it as popular as it was, 
in the mid 90s was you never knew what was going to happen. When everything else was very static and sanitized, ECW was there as a spirit of punk rock anarchy, which is what AEW is now bringing to the table. It's not all good. Right. I'm not going right. to sit here and fillet AEW the way most people are. You know, this is the greatest night in the history of our sport. Um, you know, but what they are doing consistently is generating interest by being, you know, by having surprises, by having people right. come in from different companies. You never know like what, you know, you never know what guy from what company is going to show up on the show and then disappear. And then what of their guys is going to show up on somebody else's shows like they were doing the first half of the year with Kenny Omega and Impact. And that's the most interesting thing to happen in wrestling since the Nexus. No, so, right on the money. So listen, they have this thing in Japan that's called the forbidden door and everything is breaking the forbidden door. When someone mm -hmm. comes from another promotion and just shows up in another promotion, it's like, oh my God, the forbidden door has been opened. And mm -hmm. that's what we're seeing here. So they're taking that little piece of Japan, moving that to stateside. And that's what, you know, John Moxley is bringing into his equation. So he's not wrestling for a title anymore, but mm -hmm. now he's doing this new Japan thing. He's over in GCW taking on, uh, you know, taking that championship, you know, ready to get back in the ring with Nick Gage after taking care of Cardona, you know what I mean? He's got this thing going on where he's, you know, anything can happen at any time. Anybody right. can show up. Amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's now, fun. I mean, yeah, you know what? You can say it's, oh, it's just some New Japan guys. No, it's not just some New Japan guys. It's what it's they new represent. Stars. Yeah, new stars every week. It doesn't yep. matter where they're from. You can have your bias all you want. Great idea. No, I love it, you know, and I, I've never been more interested in everything but the WWE than I am right now. And it's like, if you're if you're like a big in, indie wrestling nerd, what better time to go to a wrestling show than right now? Because you never know what crazy asshole is going to show up from AEW in your, you know, your barnyard wrestling show. It's great. This is this has reversed course because remember back in the day when uh, Vince McMahon had his Black Sunday and he took mm -hmm. over, you know, mainstream wrestling took over the territories and it was the fall of the territories. What we're seeing right now is the rise of the territories. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like yeah. it's like the revenge of the territories and it's coming back for the mainstream. So you got a reversal of fortune. So careful what you wish for because you just might get it. Mm -hmm. And Vinny Mac, my friend, you just got a five-hour helping of kicking it's right in the fucking pills. Well, it's an interesting thing because Vince McMahon's philosophy, and I don't disagree with this. I think there's merit to this, was you have to build exclusivity in your stars you can only no find question. them in one place so everybody congregates and fills up stadiums to see yep. the stars that they shined up you know or they built depending on who it was and i i understand that mentality but then there's the tony khan thing of hey what if we just had a door that swings both ways and people can come here and be creative and cover themselves in paint and roll around on a canvas and say art you know and then go right. somewhere else and pull the dick out and be like art you know, and Tony Khan's <laughs> like, I, 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 it's, it's all good. It's, you know, I have no control over any of this. Everyone's just doing whatever they want. It's a, it's a Montessori class and everyone's happy. And it's like, okay, you are now seeing a clear dividing line between the people who want the steady paycheck and the, I don't want to say protection, but the, the safety and the, um, uh, the prestige of the WWE versus the people who just want to be like artists and not have any control over them in AEW. And it's, it's funny cause you're, cause you know, and we'll get to this a little bit later, but even you today, you know, like Kevin Owens, as we're recording, this is now laying out hints that his contract's just about up and he's going to also flee like Jacob. And it's like, okay, it's the people over here 
wanting to stay in the big stadium prestige company and the people over here who just want to be wrestlers and don't want to have any reins on them, no pun intended. Right. Um, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting divide and in, in an interesting time in, in professional wrestling right now. And it's really summed up in this Moxley because, you know, we're like, well, what are they going to talk about the match? It's summed up. The match in and of itself is less important than what it represents. This match between Moxley and uh, Kojima. What did people talk of the match? Go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I mean, let's let's be fair. Uh, everybody, you know, just wants New Japan matches to steal the show and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Basic, basic banger of a match. I mean, we had just saw it previously with Kingston mm -hmm. and Miro. So, I mean, you got basically the same thing. Uh, one thing that I will point out, I mean, AEW has the ability to, you know, give the fans exactly what they want right down to the theme music. And I can't stress how important theme music is, even though it's wild thing. Mm -hmm. The crowd is singing along immediately. You got that connection out of the gate. People are into it. You're giving people a reason to participate in your show. Yes, That's it's key. Still, it's still not the right wild thing. They should have used the Sam Kinison one. I hope, you slide, <laughs> I hope you slide into a cash truck and taste your own blood. <laughs> but so you're, you, it, it's an immersive experience. So yeah. you're giving the fans the ability to play along. That's super important, man. You haven't seen that since ECW. So you talk yeah. about the factors that made that thing popular. WWE doesn't realize that, you know, th their idea is we write the show when you're going to be entertained. Yeah. AEW is like, we're going to write the show when you're there with us. Yeah. That's a huge difference. It's, but the match it's, itself, I mean, come on. It was fine. It was fine. It's an interactive experience as opposed to sort of a theater experience. You know, the WWE is a, you know, it's kind of a Broadway play, you know, and it's just everything is up there and you're sitting in yeah. your seats and, the, you know, and there is a glass wall between you and the performance. Yes. Um, AEW is like, is like is like like I said an interactive thing you know where the actors are coming into the audience and so I mean I remember when I was a kid um I saw we saw Annie on on Broadway and uh when they they go to take Annie away from Miss Hannigan I think her name is uh she, the the woman that played the character ran into the audience and screamed and she happened to stop in the row my grandfather was sitting in and he was of course asleep because he you know because he was my grandfather <laughs> <laughs> you know or like cats you know the cats are like all up in your shit <laughs> you're like sticking their cat butts in your face as they That's do hilarious. at the winter garden theater all right moving on um <laughs> one one thing I do want to say about this. So yes, sir. Right at the right at the very end, of course, um, mm -hmm. Moxley wins and fairly handily, to be quite honest with you. Didn't he just yeah. beat him with his DDT and get the win? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, right. So then music hits, and of course, out comes Minoru Suzuki. Suzuki. Yeah, right. And you know the fans know who these guys are. This is not mm -hmm. these guys are not foreign to the audience. This is not like when they brought out Takamichi Noko over in WWE and people were like sitting on their hands until right. he began to wrestle and they were like, "Oh wait, whoa, wait a second here, who's this guy?" Yeah. You know, people knew who they were. They understood the significance of Suzuki. Now people talk about what's going to be the next big thing. When's the next Attitude Era? We hear it all the time, Mark. What is the mm -hmm. next big trick that we have in a sleeve? WWE is playing a waiting game because the next big thing is Roman Reigns showing up on AEW representing the WWE and a unified, no, no, listen to me, a unified wrestling mm -hmm. world. That's the next big thing. So they've been dabbling with this thing in NXT with, mm -hmm. you know, bringing all the indie darlings in. The next step in wrestling, if you're going to have a dream scenario, the next big explosion is one world, man, one dream. It, it's Maybe. possible right now. There is, um, well, you know, here I, I snort with derision 
generally speaking. But I start with derision specifically at the idea of a WWE mainstay like Roman Reigns showing up in AEW. But here's where I'll... I'm not talking about showing up and like competing for AEW. I'm talking about one day having like a one-off partnership or a one big super show. And that's what, but that's what I'm getting to. So I I don't want to get too much off topic about this, but I mean, Mm -hmm. there has been rumors of the WWE selling for a long time. And wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be ironic? Don't you think it's like, you know, rain on your wedding day. If AEW (laughs) bought a majority stake in the WWE, like how hilarious would that be? And then that's it. It's over. You know, we're, we're right back to where we were in 2001. But can, you, <laughs> can you can you imagine Tony Khan pulling a Shane McMahon? I'm here on Monday Night Raw. I, I, people would Holy lose their shit. fucking minds. They would. And then, you, and then you don't have Vince McMahon there to fuck up the invasion anymore. Oh, you no, I would, go, I would go the direct opposite. I would have <laughs> Shane McMahon show up on AEW and claim they own that. That's the way. No, no, no. You have to have Stephanie do it. With your plate. Oh no. And they have to and they have to come out as the authority. Like <laughs> this this shit that's happening here, done. <laughs> and then he beats Kenny Omega that night. Oh <laughs> just forget the idea. Forget I even mentioned it. They were done. They, remember when the NWO formed in you know in uh in Daytona Beach and they were throwing garbage? Whole garbage cans, cars <laughs> <laughs> flying into the ring. <laughs> Could you imagine? Hand sanitizer, all of it. <laughs> People would be throwing COVID at the ring. <laughs> <laughs> Rightfully so. I would love it. I would. I, I'm such a troll. I would. If if if, if there ever had, was a time where AEW bought the WWE and the story was the authority took over AEW, oh, so I good. Would so good. in the air. <laughs> oh man, it would be so good. Um, I hate. Wrestling. Anyway, anyway, Suzuki oh. Minoru Suzuki shows up. Yes, John Moxley. Uh, you know, right at the very end of the match, and they have a confrontation and yep. almost a mini match. Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, and Suzuki uh, later beaten in on uh, on John Moxley, and they'll have their their um, a chance to battle it out on Dynamite. All right, Doctor Britt Baker with Jamie Hader and Rebel, not Reba, defeated Chris Statlander, who's looking pretty fit now. I used to kind of bag on her for being a little little on the sloppy side, but she's actually looking. Yeah, she's looking. She's looking good now. She was with Orange Cassidy, and Britt Baker beat her by submission. You know, um, Britt Baker's come a long way. She's uh, not Big the clutch. Time. She's not the clutch she was two years ago. Um, she's she's probably one of the best wrestlers they've got right now. Just like from a technical standpoint, not falling, you know, not tripping over two left feet. You know, it, it, what's often said about her on podcasts and and whatnot is she has the she has the best character and the most presence. But I would tell you, she's also probably their best wrestler right now on, on the women's side. She uh, no, she really deserves no to question. have that belt and carry that division. And Chris Statlander, who you know Harry and I, who was supposed to join us tonight and was not able to, you know, really sang Chris Statlander Chris Statlander's praises. And again, I think I don't know. I think there was this period early on where a lot of the women there was just too many different styles, not enough of them working together consistently to kind of figure out what the rhythm should be. You know, it's kind of mm-hmm. like you have some pretty decent to great musicians, but they're all making noise because they don't know how to right. play together. And I think two years into this, they're starting to play together. They're starting to find yeah. a rhythm. They're starting to find some soul and some funk. And now you have a good, you know, a good to great wrestler in, in, in Britt Baker wrestling a good to great wrestler in Chris Statlander. And they managed to pull off a match where they weren't falling all over each other. You know, it wasn't Nia Jax versus Charlotte on Raw. 
Mark, I was I, I don't get physically mad, but I get mad when I see Rhea Ripley come to the ring with Nikki Ash. I, 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 I literally, my body gets overwhelmed with heat and fire <laughs> when she goes and does that. She's my brutality. Oh my God. I, I want to take my screen. I want to take this machine that I'm looking at here and throw it out through the goddamn window. Can't I'm watch saying. it anymore, but you're right. Listen, Statlander has come a long way. You talk about Baker. I mean, she's obviously elevated her game right mm-hmm. through the roof, but Chris Statlander was a fumbling, bubbling goon. In the beginning yeah. of this, you know, she always had that good gimmick. I always loved the alien gimmick. Yeah, Say sure. what you want. Then the bell she would was ring. Smart. Right. Then the bell would ring. She would have some stuff, but it looked like people who were mm-hmm. mimicking wrestling. It was like me and yeah. you of, okay, let's have a fake match in front of a right. know, TV screen. That's what it looked like. They play They've with your their, child. They have stuff together. They yeah. they actually have a synerg- you know, a match that had synergy, excitement. The crowd was into it. They're in to um Britt Baker they're absolutely mm-hmm. into that gimmick she broke out the Panama Sunrise which is the signature move of her you know of her boyfriend Adam Cole ba- do it do it Mark one two Adam three. Cole baby boom there you go that's free uh but anyway yeah so I mean everything was together here uh right person of course one you do not take that strap off Britt Baker right now she's too hot no no and they don't have any but I mean you know We'll, we'll talk in a minute about who they just brought up. And they, she's already had a long program with Thunder Rosa. But, I mean, if there's anybody right now who is hot, you know, it, it's one of those, like, you don't want to put the title on Thunder Rosa because then what what do you do with her? You know, it's kind yeah. of like a, a couple of situations that we talked about in the WWE where it's like once the chase is over, the interest in this character just kind of drains, you know, right out of them. Um, <laughs> Drew McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so... Like I definitely want to see Thunder Rosa chase that title because what I was getting at was if they've other than Britt Baker, if they have built anybody up to be a star in that company on the women's side, that people like you could you know that people really get excited when when they hear her music and she comes out, it's Thunder Rosa, and she plays a big part in um, the next well uh, the next match, which is uh, well second to next match. All right, so do me a favor, start talking about um, the the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros, and I will be right back. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you got you got two teams at the very peak, and I mean very peak of their uh, of their wrestling career. So, I mean, Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. Lucha Bros, homegrown, you know, both teams actually, when they start in AEW, both homegrown, considered homegrown talent. So, uh, steel cage match, everything on the line here. You had the fans in the palm of their hands. So, Lucha Bros came out, they had their own authentic, you know, intro music, Entrance, they had giant, you know, giant hair wrestling gear, traditional Mexican wrestling gear. Uh, right out of the gate, you knew this was going to be something special. And boy, did, did they deliver. Uh, steel cage match. So you can imagine when you have people who can execute moves off that top rope, like both teams can, what happens when you put these guys inside a steel cage. I mean, the cage literally became their own springboard. So, you know, what they could do off the top rope, now they're doing it right from the top of the cage. So unbelievable, you know, action in this one. One of the cool things about this one, they had this black bag uh, that they were that the Young Bucks brought to the ring, and nobody knew exactly what was in that. So during the course of the match, one of their goons on the outside tossed the black bag inside the ring to one of the Young Bucks as they had the advantage. They unzipped the bag. Inside was one shoe, one of their signature Nike shoes. Now you might say they had a shoe in there. They turned it over. It was loaded with tacks, thumbtacks. 
So anyway, they proceeded to put the shoe on and deliver a kick and a series of kicks, a series of stomps, all kinds of move with this loaded thumbtack shoe. Just absolutely genius. And that's when the blood came in the match. So, you know, you got all the signature spots. You got the Meltzer drivers. You got, you know, everything you could possibly name from the Young Bucks. They were hitting all their moves, but incorporating the cage. Um, you had, you know, the, the Lucha brothers executing all their stuff as well, uh, but incorporating the cage with everything. So, you know, stuff on the top of the cage, holy cow, there was a high cross body spot right at the very top where one of the Lucha bros dove from the very top. And I mean, he hung in the air for several minutes and, you know, the crowd was into every single moment at the very end, the Lucha brothers finally win and they become the new AEW tag team champions and the place went ballistic. But uh, I think, you know, one of the things when you, when you consider, you know, the journey of the, the Lucha bros, you know, maybe if, if we have one complaint about this match, you know, everybody's talking about it. Maybe for me, it was probably the best start, best match on the entire show. Probably, you know, Four, four and a half stars, probably out of five. It was it was literally almost perfect. Uh, the only thing that I would say would be, you know, the build-up to this one. So they had to win basically a gauntlet or, a, you know, a sort of a mini tournament gauntlet style match to get this match. And I think instead of, you know, calculating into the history and the build, it just seemed like a little bit of a one-off. Like the Lucha Brothers were sort of put in the back of AEW for such a long time, all of a sudden they become number one contenders without much of a storyline leading in. So, you know, drama wise, this should have been much, much more of a bigger deal. But let me tell you something for me, this was the absolute match of the entire night. Um, I dug everything that they did. Uh, there's going to be spots in this one that are going to be talked about for a long time. And uh, let me tell you something. If you, I dare you to, you know, get a WWE tag team match, that even comes close to this because it's not going to happen. This, these are two of the highest of the highest flyers and a little bit different because, you know, we started the show with a little bit of what I like to call flip de do where everybody's doing their choreography. This one seemed to have a little bit more of an edge to it. So, you know, there's a lot more at stake. These teams are familiar with each other. So, you know, they got to lay it in a hell of a lot more than normal. And finally, Lucha Brothers, you know, walk away with the tag team titles. And it was long, probably long overdue, but I'm glad they waited to hear because this. Lich, are you here? Oh, there we're back, and we're back. Yeah, so they had their family on the outside. Uh, just a really touching moment. Um, you know. The guys, the guys were leaving the ring, and I, I guess they're, uh, you know, one of their, one of the Lucha Brothers' daughters actually came out and hugged their father, and he was bleeding, dripping in sweat, and he had that tag team gold, and she hugged him, and she was crying, and it was, it was an emotional scene. And for the AEW crowd, if you've been invested, you know, since day one in this product, you know the importance that these guys were here day one. You know what I mean? Which is, which is super, super important because you know you got all these new talent that are appearing out of nowhere, and we're going to get into it a little bit later on. 
of, you know, some of the big, big names that did show up. And, you know, one of the, I guess, criticisms hurled at AEW right now is that, you know, are we becoming WWE light? You know, do we have too many talent from the outside? Are we, you know, going overboard and, you know, cannibalizing our own talent? And I made the argument, no, because, you know, every single time we do that, they're paired up properly. They're not just dominating the existing talent. You know, we get Christian Cage a little bit later on and he, spoiler, doesn't win against Kenny Omega. So, you know, guys are coming in. But for the purpose of, you know, a, a good balance, they're not just cannibalizing the entire product to bring these new stars in. And that's the right thing to do. And we'll talk about that a little bit later again when it comes to CM Punk and Darby Allen. But I think this is important because, you know, two teams who were there from day one putting on the absolute pinnacle showcase of this entire pay-per-view. And I could not have been absolutely, you know, happier when it came to what I saw here. And uh, there's a little tribute video that's going around that's pretty touching. And I shared it on Twitter last night uh, that, you know, had a lot of the behind the scenes stuff of what happened. And you got to see, you know, some of the folks who showed up out of nowhere, just the journey they were on, like the journey that uh, Darby Allen had to meet CM Punk. Uh, and they talked about the Lucha Bros, you know, there since day one and you know all this just epic theme music put to it and just a beautiful beautiful highlights package and it's these moments that i think if we're talking about what's the difference between aew and uh wwe right now is that it's the connection and i think it's the connection between the audience and you know the promotion because i think aew has put itself in a little box where it says you know we're your promotion i talked about it just a second ago where WWE is more reluctant, you know, they, they're still going to give you exactly, despite what the fans say, they're going to give you exactly what they want, want you to have. So it's just one of the, one of those things where it's a, it's a dichotomy when it comes to, you know, what a promotion perceives that their fan base want. So, you know, it, it's just one of those things where it, it sort of blows me away that, you know, you've got such great talent that wrestle in a ring and you can handle or book somebody. So, Oh, Mark Radlich is back. Uh, did I save you? You're like I don't know. I don't know what else to talk about. <laughs> I can talk for I can talk forever, baby. I, I, you did like a three hour podcast on like toys or some bullshit. I, I, I did. Rem- <laughs> what do you mean three? <laughs> you better have listened to it. I have. Um, all right. So I, I don't mean to, to cut you off. What, what What were you talking about? I was just talking about this, the connection that, uh, you know, the, both the uh, Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks have been, you know, with the promotion on day one. Yeah. So, you know, the, I'd say the only thing that took away from this one, Mark, is the way that they did it. I mean, they had so much history between these two teams and the way mm-hmm. they got to this match to lead up to All In was with like a gauntlet match on Dynamite. Yeah. So here, you know what here, I mean? So you could have. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I thought they should have leaned into the history, you know, both day one, the video package, and they sort of did after the fact, but right. it should have been yeah. leading in. But anyway, I guess it was on booked on the fly. So, so here's my issue with this match. Um, I know everyone, everyone, I actually, I watched it with my son because my son likes the gimmicky over the top matches. This was a cage match. And I figured because it was a cage match and because, you know, their ladder match from like a year or two ago was so off the wall that I figured this, I figured this would be his, you know, right in his wheelhouse. And there was some stuff there that he that he definitely enjoyed. And the and the young bucks are such douchebags that I, I knew he would enjoy time. that too. And and I and I'll tell you two things. One, I like the young bucks as heels. I think Me too. because of their size and their general demeanor, they work better as bad guys than they do good guys. But here's what I'll tell you: they're also smaller than the rockers were. And they wrestle 
And I made this joke on Twitter, but if you don't follow me on Twitter or if you've forgotten by now, I will go back and say it again. They wrestle like they think they're either the Steiner brothers or the Road Warriors. Like, they're small dudes. And realistically, they would have to use their speed and agility to get over on even guys the size of the Lucha Brothers, who are not giants. I mean, Penta is a big, meaty guy. But, you know, um, who's a what's-he there? Uh, um, Ray Phoenix. You know, he's almost a little, he's almost their size. And, yeah. you know, but still, like the Lucha Brothers can take a beating. And if you, you know, and by all rights, if you're looking at this realistically, the Lucha Brothers should have beaten the Young Bucks six ways from Sunday, except the Young Bucks should be hard to catch. They should be hard to catch. They should be, they should be wrestling like the Rockers did back in the day or the, you know, or the Rock and Roll Express. Right. Um, and they wrestle instead like they're the fucking Steiner Brothers. You know, and it's like, come on, man, you're not that big. You're not that bad. You're not that strong. And you're fighting bigger guys, but they don't sell shit. They do power moves. No. You know, I, I said this to one of my friends who's really interesting. And like, they know they're not the road warriors and they, they really lean into it. And I'm like, okay, so this is kind of like a meta, <laughs> you know, like, like, like a, like a gimmick, but it, but again, this is the exact opposite of the Miro Kingston thing. Now I don't believe this is a fight at all. And it's not even like, you know, the Jim Cornette gymnastics routine. It's like, again, and and you've got 106 children up there in your Canadian farm. Um, (laughs) Something like that. Forgive forgive him. Forgive him, Lord. (laughs) But you've wrestled with your children, I'm sure. You know, and so if you're, and so so if your son like does anything to you, you sell it, right? You sell it like your son Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. Absolutely. That's the only way this works. But here was the problem with Shawn Michaels versus Hulk Hogan. It was as, you know, as phony as a, as a football bat, as Jim Cornette would say. And, and everyone, and everyone knew it. You know what I mean? Everyone knew it was garbage. Everyone knew it was stupid, silly. And then the Young Bucks versus, and that's the problem with the Young Bucks versus um, the Lucha Brothers, is that it doesn't come across as organic or genuine at all. It comes across as they're doing a play. You know, and the Young Bucks are the bad guys, and the Lucha Brothers are the good guys, and the bad guys spend most of the play doing bad things and, and succeeding, but then the bad but then the good guys win in the end. Win. In the end, you know, like Teen Wolf. We're gonna I, win in the end. <laughs> I, I I was much higher than you were on this match. I thought it was mm-hmm. it was probably my favorite my favorite match in the entire show. And <gasps> I, and I think the reason oh yeah. I think the reason why was because of just the the outrageous. I mean, they ramped everything up. It's not your your. T- <laughs> Don't give me the Sean Comer treatment. What are you doing? <laughs> no, I give you say a trombone because you made me sad. <laughs> no, it it was really. Um, they they upped the intensity. I talked about while you were gone on the uh, the break where they they brought out the loaded sneaker with the uh, yeah with the tacks on the bottom. They you know the ripped masks, the blood, uh, you know the just the use of the top of the cage was just you know that extra level. And I think it really really and plus it was two day one teams. You know what I mean? The crowd 
want AEW to succeed. And these are AEW's guys. So, you know, I think there was a lot of emotion from the crowd as well that made this mm-hmm. one maybe a little bit better than it was. I didn't give it a five out of five, though. I'm seeing mm-hmm. everywhere that it's a, you know, a perfect 10 or a five out of five. I gave yeah. it a four because I think it was right on that doorstep. But uh, I just I, think it just needed, it's just, you know, with a bit of flip do and some mm-hmm. different build, you know, there could have been some tweaks there. But I did really, really love it. For the sake of time, the last thing I will say about this is I'm not going to take away from anyone's enjoyment of this match. If this is what you want, if in your brain these two midgets can take on these two big Mexicans and and, and be as successful as they were in this match up until the very end when the ta won in the nick of time, you know, that's fine. But I'm Mark Rattledge and I don't buy it. I don't buy I don't buy the young bucks as as the road warriors. You know, I don't buy the young bucks as the Steiner brothers shoving markers up people's asses. I you know, <laughs> <laughs> I buy the young bucks being shoved in lockers. Why markers? Having... <laughs> oh, you've never heard that story? Oh, I know I've heard it, but I'm just okay. saying, why why markers? What anyway? It'll it'll hurt more. It feels like a dick. I mean, you know, like... <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what kind of kinky stuff the Steiner brothers are doing. Um, all right, hope hope it's not like the um, the ones with the little edge on it. You know what I mean? Like no, you know, I please, yeah, I hope I hope they were this would this would this would hurt. Yeah, no, <laughs> they need to take the, the cap. They need to take the cap off for sure. I mean, you know, if you're gonna shove a marker up somebody's ass, at least you know, be be gentle. Why not the world? <laughs> oh God! Speaking of shoving <laughs> markers up people's asses, one of our great sponsors is Grammarly. It's a seamless <laughs> transition. <laughs> what? We're fired. You just lost a sponsor. You don't say shove Grammarly up somebody's ass. If, well, if you don't have any markers to shove up someone's ass, but you need to type something, Grammarly will help you. Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes, while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. So download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. Next match. Best Grammarly pitch ever. Yes, ever. Sir. You're welcome. <laughs> We had the Casino Battle Royal. Um, <clears throat> no surprises up until the very end. I don't think there was anybody that was, to my recollection, there was nobody new here. It was all, the, you know, kind of the usuals. There might, I think early on there might have been some folks from the indie scene, but nobody that really was like, oh, my God, it's you, um, up until the very end. And this was this was an elaborate way of getting as many women on the card as possible you know, trying to get as many, you know, the old WWE, get everybody on the, ma- on, on the, the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, but also this was a big coming out party for uh, Ruby Soho, the former Ruby Riot, um, the former, what was What, what was her name before she was Ruby Riot? She was uh, something. Um, oh. oh gosh. Jesus. I can't remember. Yeah. Jesse th- shared it with Jesse shared it with me last night. Yeah. Um, anyway, her. So yeah, she's another. Uh, she's she's someone that got caught from the WWE, and she's you know, and everyone. The, the take on her was she was not a traditional beauty, but she was a great worker, and she had a great look. And if, especially if you're into like the punk rock thing, she, you know, she had an awesome gimmick. But she was never really given a chance because she wasn't six feet tall with huge you know retard tits. So you know, it was, so she just kind of was in the background. And she took a lot, she did a lot of jobs and she did a lot of like enhancement work with the people they were pushing. And then eventually they were like, well, we've used you up. We threw you out. Good luck and goodbye. And, you know, I'm into seeing people happy. And she could not have looked happier 
showing up oh on God. AEW's pay-per-view, getting a big win, and feeling like she was appreciated, I'm sure. So good for her. Uh, the rest of it, you know, her you know, Thunder Rosa had a big showing in this. We talked about her earlier. Thunder Rosa looked great in this. Um, there was a couple of really fun spots. Nothing looked really too outlaw, too klutzy. I thought it was a fun battle royal. No, no big deal. Yeah, no, I think you're right, and I like the I like the gimmick. So basically, what we have here is a, is a royal rumble where instead of individual competitors come in, you know, mm -hmm. suits of five come in. So you you know, the countdown begins and another suit comes in. So another block of competitors will enter the ring. So really, really fun concept. Uh, as for Ruby Riot, you know, it came down to Ruby Riot and Thunder Rosa, which I think is really, really, really the right way to go. And I, and people complained that you know, oh, they brought Ruby Riot in and she went over Thunder Rosa. Yeah, you know what? It's the right thing to do. It was the right thing. The crowd was super into her. They were singing, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, Ruby Soho by um, Ruby Soho by. Oh my God, what's the name of the band? Yeah, I, I, it's escaping me too. <laughs> Go ahead. But 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 anyway, they they were super super into her. And like you said, it was a feel good moment because this girl is not your traditional person. Like the the underdog people felt for this girl because you know she's the girl with the talent. She's the girl that's been kept under. Maybe she wasn't the most beautiful or jacked up with plastic. And she was just real, and people connected mm -hmm. with her in WWE, and they wanted her to do well in spite of seeing her lose every single week. So she comes out here. The crowd is absolutely firmly beside her. And, you know, you can tell she's overwhelmed by emotion. Take a look at when she wins this match. So she's on the apron with uh, Thunder Rosa, and she kicks Thunder Rosa, and Thunder Rosa falls out of the ring. She rolls into the ring, and she <laughs> hugs the ref, and the ref hugs her back, and the tears are flowing. And this crowd is super into it, yeah. and I was into it too, man. And this was something else. And if you watch the video online that I sent you, uh, Sarah mm -hmm. Logan from the Riot Squad showed up with her child to watch this girl compete. And I thought that was just another level. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the Riot Squad's a real thing. That's that's yeah. a real that's a real group of friends. And when you see that connection continue on, and you got to see Liv Morgan as well on Twitter, like congratulating her friend, and you know they they know that this was a special moment, and I think everybody felt it. And uh, what what yeah. a great way to bring Ruby Riot in. But Look, I, I may not are disagree it. with me on the on the her trajectory. So they're putting her with Britt Baker right away. Mm -hmm. I say have her lose. Her, her I think her first first show should be against Jade Cargill. I think that's where the money is. So you put the, you know, the prima donna jacked up, genetically superior, you know, I'm everybody's per girl. That's why you need that dichotomy. So, you know, what does Ruby Riot represent and what does Jade Cargill represent? Two different things, the alpha and, you know, the underdog, basically. Yeah, that's that where you go. You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, first of all, the band's name is Rancid, just to get that out of the Rant way. Is it Rancid? No. Social Rancid. Distortion. No. Ruby Soho is Rancid. Is, oh, yeah, okay, maybe you're right. What yeah. social distortion, then? You're thinking of maybe Story of My Life. Um, story so. of my life. Whoa. Anyway, um, <laughs> which I think is actually a cover. In any case, it doesn't matter. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm like really high on Jane Cargill. She's still, you know, as I say, greener than goose shit. But, oh, you know, yeah. she, but she's doing better, and they've, they've done a great job of trying to, like, protect her. They, they she, Ruby Rye, sorry, um, Jane Cargill needs a steady stream of, of the best workers they've got that that can afford a loss. And she needs to just crush them on her way to yep. Brick Baker. Like you like it needs to get to a point where people are like you can't deny Jade Cargill anymore. So I'm right. fine with sticking Ruby Soho in there now because you've got some time before full gear and even revolution if you want to go beyond that. I think right. by 
definitely by revolution, if not full gear, you need to have Jade Cargill come in and just decimate Britt Baker. Like Britt Baker needs to be taken off TV for a month. Right, right on the money. Um, so but she had but Jade Cargill had a good showing in the battle royal here. She just she needs more polish, she needs more work, and they and she needs a steady stream of like she needs a Miro push. She needs, you know, her and Miro need to just be wrecking machines for as long as you can hold people's interest with that sort of thing. She's um, she's on dark all the time, and same with elevation. But you know, mm-hmm. if you if you don't watch that, nobody will nobody will blame you whatsoever. But uh, she's as, on there a lot, and she's racking up wins all over mm-hmm. the place. As I've said, you the what the WWE has done superiorly than uh, more superior than any other wrestling promotion is they know how to make a package, and they know that not everybody watches all the television. Um, to, you know, almost to their detriment. But I yeah. but I'm gonna I'm paying them a compliment here. When I watch a pay-per-view and they're like, I don't watch Raw, I don't watch SmackDown, but when I watch the pay-per-views, I know everything I need to know going into those matches because they show a good, good package. Elevation and Dark, you're not going to get people like me to watch. You're just not. You're not going to get most people to watch the, you know, these YouTube shows. But if, you know, but if you're using them for a reel and you play that reel on Dynamite, which people are watching, solid gold. And that's what they should be there for. Elevation and Dark should be there to create reels to play on dynamite. Yeah, they're they're clips, they're building clips to create mm-hmm. a package for for an event that, you know, you can't advertise everything on dynamite. So these shows should be your filter for these extra angles to show mm-hmm. build you don't have time for on dynamite. It's it's a perfect scenario honestly. Um I hated this next match. Um and I hated it because it was booked ass backwards. So this was Chris Jericho versus MJF. Chris Jericho went through the five labors to get to to have one final match with MJF, and if he lost, he had to he had to retire forever. But retirements, as Terry Funk has showed us, are not forever. Uh, Roddy it's a Piper, whore. it's a whore. <laughs> Roddy Piper, Randy Savage, Terry Funk, Jerry Lawler have all retired and come back and retired and come back and retired and come back. So who gives a shit if you retire Chris Jericho for a night? Right. You know he'll you know he can come back later. You know and people will be like, oh, come come back, Chris. We're so happy to have you. Whatever. Um, so big fatty beat rising star and i put that on twitter and robert winfrey yelled at me about it he was like oh calm down and i'm like how many fucking times are you gonna beat mj up in a big match last year he lost to moxley when he was hot as you know you know he was uh the hottest thing on the show this year he's losing to chris jericho like how many times are we gonna beat mjf on pay-per-view and here's the thing he has to win a feud at some point yeah, 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 yeah. You, you've got you've got gold here. You've got a Ric Flair level heel. Mm-hmm. That's rare in this business. So you you got to do a better job of protecting that. And what have they done with his group? I mean, yeah. they basically smashed his entire group to pieces. You don't even know if he has a faction anymore. Like it's it's alluded to. You mm-hmm. see the inner circle, but you never ever see the pinnacle. Like, right. What's happening? Well, isn't one of the guys in in the in FTR like injured and never injured. coming back? So I think FTR is done. And that's oh. all that's left is Wardlow, you know, and Dex, Ward- Dex Hardwood. <laughs> and um, what's his face? The chairman. Uh, yeah. Sh- McGee. Yeah. Ty Dillinger. Um, I, I don't even remember the name. They're calling him an AEW. That's how little he matters. Sean, Sean Spears. Sean Spears. Spears. Thank you. Sean Spears. So, like, here's here's my thing. The, the match itself was fine. I didn't love that it was nothing special. I, I didn't care about this match really as I was watching it. Like they weren't really, it was more Chris Jericho trying to huff and puff his way through another match. It was more MJF trying to make something of his fat ass. And then the fat ass beat him. And it's like, I fucking, 
see, this is why when everyone's like, it's perfect. It's like, you're elevating this because you hate the WWE so much. And yes. there, there is a segment of the population currently watching this product that if they banged a goat in the middle of that ring, they'd be like, well, it's AEW, so it's awesome. You know, like Christian right. used to talk about that stuff all the time without even watching the product. The thing that Christian key, keyed in on a year ago was that AEW could do no wrong in people's eyes, even when, you know, the emperor had no clothing. People were like, you know, but but your, your wardrobe is magnificent. My dick is out. How How are you that blind? But that's where people are mentally with AEW. You know, I can I can compartmentalize. I can see the good they're doing without ignoring the bad that is obvious. And this was bad, Chris. This was just this bad. There's no excuse to have beaten MJF on this pay-per-view. Chris Jericho ain't that popular. No. So they're, they were playing a few games. So they did a couple callbacks. MJF came out to the big countdown with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, Jericho used on his Monday night raw debut. Very, very clever instant heat magnet. When, as soon as he walked mm -hmm. out instead of Jericho, everybody was expecting, you know, the coat and the entire flashy gear and all that stuff. And of course, MJF took that away. Instant yeah. heat, molten yeah. lava heat. That guy was getting mm -hmm. Jericho made a huge mistake in this match. So everybody loves to cheer along or sing along to Judas, right? Mm-hmm. Until this night, oh my God, he's walking down to the ring and, you know, they, they want the crowd. So they have a guy playing really, really, really bad guitar, really bad. It's ear like it's, it's hurting my ears and the crowd is sort of barely singing along and it's painful to watch. You're like, Jesus, will someone just turn on his music and be done with this? Stop this insane. <laughs> it, it, it must've killed Jericho. Like, I mean, it was very muted. It was all over the place. It's like, you know, you're at a birthday party and someone's singing happy birthday and someone else is sort of mumbling something in the background and oh, brutal. Anyway, this match, it's just basic nuts and bolts match. You're right. Maybe they, maybe the right thing to do was not to have Jericho win. I mean, I think they were playing games because the idea, the general consensus was that Jericho was taking the summer off. So in everybody's mind, you're thinking, okay, so he's going to lose this to MJF. So right. I think it's just the old bait and switch. You know what I mean? You're not, we're not, you're not going to be able to predict every match on this show, but you know, they did what they did. It was, it was, it was like the Mark Radlich fine. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was frustrating for sure. Um, I didn't like it. So moving on. Uh, CM Punk versus Darby Allen. We talked about this, the la whatever the, re the last review was that we did, where we talked about CM Punk's debut on Rampage. And, you know, and I, I was happy to see him back, but I didn't necessarily care about the promo that he gave at the end of the day. <laughs> Safe. Okay. Um, I, here's what I'll tell you. Um, the match itself was fine. I wasn't interested in this match, and it was late. I, this was by this point, I had transitioned from my living room to my bed, so I kept falling asleep. Um, like I like I would like like fall asleep in like fits and starts. And I I think they tried. I think they tried to you know this this was more of the kind of thing I wanted out of the young bucks, where like the smaller guy kept trying to fight from underneath, but the bigger guy was cutting him off, and the bigger guy eventually won. Which is yeah. believable. Like it's it's not believable that Darby Allen would ever beat CM Punk. Not the way CM Punk's ever been presented. I wish CM Punk had hit the gym a little harder. You know, he's been in better shape in the past. And all I could think about in this match was Kevin Nash's comment that, you know, like no one's going to buy tickets to watch a fry order cook wrestle. Um 
<laughs> like CM Punk's look. I mean, like CM Punk lost a lot of weight when he fought in the UFC. He was looking like skinny, and it's kind of like one of those deals where you know we all seek to be in the best shape that we can, but some of us look better a little chunkier than others. You know, like you ever see somebody who's lost like shit tons of weight and they their their face changes, their body doesn't look right, and it's like you look kind of looked better fatter. Um, and and <laughs> CM Punk looked better with muscle on him. And he does not look great skinny. And he has no definition in his body. Ah, for all the people who like, oh, Mark body shames the women. No, Mark body shames everybody. CM Punk. Everybody. Let, everybody. Do some fucking sit-ups. Uh, <laughs> let's, you know, I don't mind the fact that he wore the long tights to cover up them chicken legs. But that's, that, but that's but that's the reason why he did it. That was very right. smart because if he wore the you know his typical white star trunks, yeah. he would have saw those little spindly legs and he would look ten times smaller. So that was just you know some witchcraft to make sure that everybody didn't realize <laughs> exactly how small yeah. CM Punk actually looked here, and he was he, really thin. Real he did thin. not. He did not look great. Um, I you know if you knew you were coming back to AEW, if you even if like six months ago you were like this is a company that I think I can come back to. And reignite my love of wrestling. Hit the fucking gym. You do. You're not doing it. Are you even working on Drax anymore? What are you doing, CM Punk? Yeah. <laughs> you working? What three issues of Drax for Marvel? <laughs> yeah. Oh well, uh, come on. You're on. You know, big time pay per view. You're the biggest star in the company right now. Have an ab or two. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the match itself was was fine. Um, I was. Deathly afraid they were going to put Darby Allen over CM Punk, and I might have thrown my dick and my shoes at the television. Um, just me, just beating the TV with my penis. <laughs> my wife's like, "You're mad again, aren't you?" Yes. <laughs> no, um, I, I, you know, I, uh, I in, immensely love this match. Okay. I got, I got to be quite honest with you. I all agree with you 100 percent on, you know, probably CM Punk's conditioning. Uh, because it showed throughout the match. I mean, he got blown up, but he got blown up against a guy who could create movement. That's yeah. the trick. So if you're asking, you know, why the hell would he choose Darby Allen? Of course he would choose Darby Allen. Darby Allen is going to do the footwork. You yeah. don't want to get in there against some slob or schleb like Chris Jericho and all of a sudden lose your gas against a guy who has no gas. And now all of a sudden you got a flat dick. Mm hmm. Right. You know, in the middle of the ring. But instead, you got Darby Allen who's selling the shit out of everything. I mean, yep. he gave him a go to sleep at one point. You know, he called it. He did the entire, you know, hands mm. to the side of the face. And Darby, you know, hit the move and he fell right out of the ring, which I thought was great. So they tease a lot of things. And then they put the sting factor in here, too. Mm -hmm. So right at the beginning of the match, it was such a cool thing. Darby Allen's music hit. The crowd is going absolutely ballistic. They, they were into Darby Allen pretty goddamn well as well. Let's yeah. be fair. Sure. And he stood at the beginning in rank and ramp and he sent Sting back to the backstage area. Okay. Mm -hmm. Number one, really, really cool. I'm going to do this on my own. And he rode that skateboard to the ring. And these fans were going crazy for this kid. And uh, it just tells you, you're just like, wow, this is AEW's own homegrown guy. This is, this is Darby Allen. This is their version of CM Punk in 2021. They got him right here. He's there. And, of course, CM Punk's music hits. Everybody goes crazy. They have a really good match. I I, I don't have anything to say bad about yeah. the match. It's it's not a five out of five stars. Let's be clear. No. I mean, this is this is a three three to three five if you're lucky. This I mean, the they second, have this was the second batch match on the card. Yeah, it was very good. Extremely well received. The audience mm -hmm. really played a factor because they were into everything these guys were doing. 
And, uh, you know, I think that the crowd were on to the con that maybe, you know, CM Punk probably could have looked a little bit better, but they were in, into everything by the end of it. By the end right. of this match, they had the crowd right in the palm of their hand. And yeah. uh, I think they delivered the ending that they wanted. And then Sting comes out. So you're like, oh, shit. And even CM Punk is like, man, uh, this is a moment. It was even a moment for CM Punk to shake Sting's mm -hmm. hand. And this is the type of thing that where the Sting factor in the growth of Darby Allen is key because I think mm -hmm. that, that, was, that was a really cool ending when Sting uh, and CM Punk basically cemented a young kid in Darby Allen and, you know, basically lifted his hand even though he lost. Love, nothing, ba nothing bad to say about this one. Great nope. return if you're going to return for, for CM Punk. Yep. I'll be anxious to see what he does next. Um, Me too. So where, who oh. do you pair him with? Who's your next pairing? Oh gosh, you know it, it's so hard to say. It, it, they right now. Here's the problem. Right now, I don't know where they're going. You know, obviously we're do you building do MJF because MJF is done. I mean, what a what a great promo show that would be. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, like I said, he seemed to he seemed to indicate from some of the news stories that I read that he wanted to tag with Sting. Um, the Lucha Brothers just just got the tag team titles. The Young Bucks have no one to that. That might be fun. The Sting and you know, let, maybe let's let's mix up some of what we're doing. You know, I know at the end of the show they had the Elite versus the Lucha Brothers, Christian and Daniel Bryan, and that might be a direction that they go in, and maybe they build some sort of you know uh, like war games or Jurassic Jurassic Express. What did I say? Not, not Lucha Brothers. Yeah, well, I was okay. So I was thinking the Lucha Brothers just got the tag team titles. That's one way they could go. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. With yeah, Sting yeah. and uh, CM Punk. Another way to go is pair them up with the Young Bucks, but I think the Young Bucks might still be. The problem with the Young Bucks right now is we've seen them with the Lucha Brothers a zillion times. We've seen them with everybody right. a zillion times. I would not be opposed to a Young Bucks Sting CM Punk thing. And I, you know, and I said this. When we talked about CM Punk before, I did a whole long spiel about how I think CM Punk should have gone after Kenny Omega. What if everyone goes after Kenny Omega? What if all the new people go after Kenny Omega and Kenny Omega is hiding behind Adam Cole, baby? Um, and, you know, so what if Sting is going after Kenny Omega and Daniel Bryan is going after Kenny Omega and CM Punk is going after Kenny Omega and the walls are closing in on Kenny Omega and he's like, get out there, Adam Cole, baby, and, and protect me, save me. And, you know, and get out there, get in front of me, uh, good brothers, get in front of me, young bucks. And now you have that combination of guys, not, you know, not the least of which would be a tag team of Sting and CM Punk wrestling the good brothers, wrestling right. the young bucks, wrestling whoever and Adam Cole, baby, you know, um, and we get some six mans, we get some two mans, you know, we get everybody, we, we get all, just various permutations of this group of guys while Kenny Omega runs away and hides in a tree. And then, you know, and when all is said and done and everyone's been laid to waste, what's left is either Daniel Bryan or, um, sorry, I got to start calling him Bryan Danielson now, uh, the American Dragon, eh? uh, or CM Punk, like there's nowhere left to go, Kenny Omega, and we're at yeah. full gear or we're at revolution or we're even a year from now, we're at double or nothing or even all out again. So mm -hmm. don't take the title off Kenny Omega is what I'm saying. There's this not, not, not right now. There's too much money in it. Yeah, there's too much money in this whole new group of guys that you just brought in chasing him and him going <laughs> and running away. Um, yeah, no, it's really good. And plus you added Adam Cole, which is an extra bit of fire in that group. So right. it's just what it needed, honestly. So good. It's, it's, it's another guy to put in front of Kenny Omega so that so everyone can't get to him. And that's what you need right now. Kenny Omega is, is Ric Flair. 
and you and he needs as many horsemen to stand in front of him to chase away all the good guys that are running. Protect after the him. champ. Protect the champ. It's yeah, the key. Absolutely. That's that's the way you sell tickets, man. Absolutely. Um, hot fire right there. So they'll beat Kenny Omega tonight on Dynamite, I'm sure. Um, and they'll you know, and they'll beat him with weed, and he'll get and he'll lose the title to Wheeler Yuta because that's the way my life goes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, speaking of things that I hated, Paul White versus QT Marshall. This was three minutes and 10 seconds. I slept through the whole thing. Chris? Absolute and utter trash. 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 So there's people who were left off this pay-per-view for Paul White versus QT Marshall. Wrap your head around that, people. <laughs> Not acceptable. Absolute garbage. And, you know, I mean, it was literally exactly what you'd expect. Paul White came out. He's got this big, long bodysuit with no mm -hmm. arms, no sleeves or whatever. Uh, QT Marshall comes out. He's got a couple of his goons. You know, they try to interfere. Big Show dispatches him. Not Big Show, but Paul White, mm -hmm. who comes out, by the way, clever, clever music. Did you hear Paul White's music? It starts with, well, Paul White, we love Paul White. It's Paul. Oh, <laughs> but they stole the, well, I know, absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. Anyway, he, yes, yes, hang yourself with a belt type of bad. But but basically, Mark, literally, this was just choke slam. We're done. That's all, <laughs> that's all this match was. And I don't, you know the reason behind it. So WWE always had a knack of sticking a women's match on before the main event at WrestleMania to yeah. cool the crowd down. Yeah. Nobody uses the women to cool people down now. Women are just as exciting as the guys, if not more so in some cases, okay? So now the cooldown match, the junk is QT Marshall and the big show, or Paul White, I should say. So garbage. I can't say anything good about it. Absolute zero. This was Pathetic. this show was too long. And even though this was only four minutes, they still should have cut it. They shouldn't have this had no 100%. business being on a pay-per-view. Paul White. This didn't belong no this this didn't belong on the pre-show. No. Paul White has no business on pay-per-view in 2021, first of all. Let me just say that right off the bat. In this QT Marshall or commentary, thing. Or on commentary. I understand QT Marshall is like their training guy, and he's like, you know, Cody's best friend and all that. But, the, you know, but remember Sarge from WCW? Yes. Oh, yeah. You know how he was never on television There's, because he was three feet tall? Okay. Like QT Marshall, Sarge, same guy. Just, just there's no reason they, for him to be on today. Sarge would appear on TV every now and then. So, you know, he'd be out there against, you know, a Nitro match with Sergeant Craig Pittman for like two <laughs> minutes and it was the dust off and it was done. You know right. what I mean? That was it. That's all you should ever see QT Marshall. Never on a pay-per-view. They have Nobody 97 cares. hours of TV they have to fill up right now. Put QT Marshall on something I'm not watching. Not on a pay-per-view. I, I got a question for you. So mm -hmm. if you're following w AEW history. Sure. Okay. DDP anointed. QT Marshall, the next DDP, and even gave him the diamond cutter as his finisher. Have they rescinded that now? Uh, I didn't even know that was the thing. I've been watching this as long as you. I've been watching this since All In. Okay. Have. Me and Pat Mullen reviewed All In, and that was the first time I ever saw Joey Janela, and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Talking about people that should hit the gym. You know what's so funny? Jelly Janela. Jelly Janela. Going back, to, just real quick, going back to All In, I remember like talking to Pat, and I was like, who is this Joey Janela guy, and why won't he hit the gym? What's with the beer belly? And, you know, and then he had to explain to me that he was a mud show goof. And um, and I did not realize at the time, because he was wrestling Adam Page, how small Joey Janela was. Oh, like he looked at all in like he was like six feet tall. And then I've seen him since then wrestling on Dynamite. And he's like 
so much shorter than that. I had no idea. Like, he was deceptive. Somehow or other, he managed to pull off deceptively taller at all ages looks, and has never done it. Like he looks like a Funko Pop. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All right. Uh, Kenny Omega defeated Christian Cage in 21 minutes and 20 seconds for the AEW World Championship. I was exhausted at by two, this point. <laughs> at 2.15 in the morning, Canadian Newfoundland time. This I occurs, was by exhausted by this point. I kept passing out through this match. From what everyone tells me, it was fine. When I when I woke up, every single table around the ringside was broken. You know, So I'm guessing they put on an exciting AEW-style bumpfuck fest. You know, it's fine. I'm not going to argue about it. I, I certainly don't have a tremendous amount of detail that I can argue with because I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, I'm just glad Kenny Omega beat, beat Christian. I'm so disinterested in Christian at this point. I'm like, can we please be done with this now? You know, like what happened to poor Adam Page? Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I know he's home with his, his kid and he wanted time off. I get it. And I, and I applaud him for that. And so I don't have a problem with them pivoting the way that they did. If that's indeed what happened. Um, but you know, it was like, build up Adam Page, build up Adam Page, build up Adam Page, fucking Christian Cage. What? <laughs> <laughs> What? Um, then oh, Adam Cole, baby, came out and my excitement level picked up. This was, I had a Brock Lesnar moment because, like I said, I was like half asleep when this was all going on and I just wanted it to end. And I wanted to say that, like, when he beat him and they were just beating, they were just giving him a post match beat down in the ring. I kind of just put my head down and I was drifting off. And then I heard the music and it was like, it was, it was that same feeling I get when Brock Lesnar comes out, like, rrr, rrr, you know? <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. You know, like I, I, I can feel it through the TV. And then I looked up, and there was, there he was. Adam Cole had broken his chains and gotten off the plantation, and there he was in, <laughs> in Freedom Country. And then, you know, and then he kicked uh, Jungle Boy in the face, and then he was kissed all around the face and head by Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. And I was like, I'm happy. He's happy. I'm yeah, happy. Well, he's happy. I'm happy for the fans. I'm happy for the company. I'm. Most happiest for Adam Cole, especially when you find out that Bruce Pritchard wanted him to bring him to the main roster and then make him a manager. And you're like, okay, I you you don't the the Ring of Honor guys, and I said this on our last podcast, but it bears repeating now. All of the Ring of Honor got Ring of Honor guys have no place anymore in the WWE. They all need to go. It, you're not using them correctly. What's the point? Right. Listen, you either go all in with the with the Ring of Honor, the indie style thing. Or you don't, and they 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 literally can't. So you know they have no. What have they got out of it though? Mm -hmm. They they don't book these guys properly. So have they made one single nickel out of any of these guys the way they book a mark? Daniel I mean, Bryan maybe a few bucks. I mean, look, I, you know, it's hard to say when the, when the, the WWE by itself, no matter who's in the in the matches, makes money. They're, they the the brand, and this is the way. That, but this was purposely done. You know, the WWE brand is the thing that makes the money who's yeah. on the brand doesn't seem to matter as much. You know, you get a handful of people mm -hmm. that you can sell t-shirts with and send to talk shows and do signings, but everybody else is just, just a part. It's like, I, I've made this, um, this, uh, example before it's the circus. When you take your children to the, I don't know. Do they have circuses in Canada? Will you I, stop? <laughs> when, you take, <laughs> when you take your children to the circus, you don't know the names of the gymnasts, of the Chinese gymnasts. You don't know the names of the lion tamers. You don't know the names of the guys that ride the motorcycles in the globe. But 
you're there because it's the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Ice Fisherman Canadian f- f- Maple Syrup Circus, <laughs> right? <laughs> you're like the circus, the ice capades. You know the ice capades. You guys have ice in Canada. Oh <laughs> Jesus! So somebody you- shoot this American <laughs> motherfucker dead. <laughs> um, <laughs> When uh, when you got when you buy when you take your children to Mickey Mouse on Ice, you know, or the Ice Capage or something like that, you know you, you're buying the brand and the activity. You're not buying the performer, right? You're and, exactly right. You're you're and, buying the brand, right? And that's what the WWE is. Nobody's going to the WWE to see any of these guys, with the possible exception of like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or John Cena yeah. when when they're yeah. there or Becky Lynch. Um, right. Heal yeah. Becky Lynch, which you called, by the way. Good for you. Yep. Um, so you're you're not going for any other reason but that. So like the W. So right. So at this point, the company has now changed so much that the guy that the old Ring of Honor guys don't really have a place there anymore. They're never going to be big stars. That's just not the way the place operates anymore. You know, right. they don't have the size. They don't have the look. They don't have the you know the conditioning that the big the kaiju wrestlers that they want you know like carrying cross carrying cross fits their mold better they've dressed him up like dem- like you know demolition kink but um you know but he- <laughs> <laughs> yes yes bring back demolition demolition kink what's, what's the second one you you made the first one kink is the first you kink come out you get have to come you got well you got to bring out scarlet and she's demolition whip uh um, gaggle gag <laughs> ball gag <laughs> Kink and ball gag. Yep. S and M. The new S and M. Anyway, uh, my, my point being that uh, with the you know with the WWE, you're uh, sorry. I was talking about Adam Cole. I, I lost my train of thought. So like Adam Cole really doesn't have a place anymore on that roster. There was no reason for him to go up there. Uh, Daniel Bryan doesn't have a place on that roster. They've done, but his his situation was different. They squeezed all the juice out of Daniel Bryan. They were ever going to get out of him. You know? Oh, milk it, milk. And, and look, he had his, he, you know, he had his aborted world title run that he, you know, that was organic and the most wonderful thing to happen in 10 years at WrestleMania 30. Then he got injured and had to leave. You know, then they gave him another run with the title and he was the Earth Warrior and that was fun. And they and then he just had another run with Roman Reigns that ended at WrestleMania. We're done with you. You know, there is nothing more he can do in that company. So that's different Correct. than Adam Cole, who at this point in this time would not have fit in with that roster. So I was happy to see D Bry and I was happy to see Adam Cole show up in AEW, do a little bit there at the end, run off, you know, Daniel Bryan ran off the elite. And now we've got hot fire going into the next couple of weeks. You know, let's, see, let's see what they do with it. Right on the money. So I really, really like this match. I, I understand all the criticism laid against Christian cage, but he hasn't really had a bad match since he's been here, Mark. And this was mm-hmm. this was really, really strong match, honestly. They didn't have the crowd at the beginning. So here's when you know you have a strong match. This crowd was exhausted, literally asleep by the time Christian Cage came out. By the time this match ended, like physically in the ring, not, not with the, mm-hmm. the debuts, they had the crowd back. After five hours of <laughs> getting beaten to death with wrestling, they had no crowd. They they had no reaction. They they had lost the crowd at the beginning of this match, and mm-hmm. they got them back after five hours just with the power of their wrestling and their psychology in that ring. And you know, Kenny Omega went over Christian Cage, which is the right thing. They're not cannibalizing their own people. Perfect, yep. great. 
Adam Cole shows up. Everyone thinks he's a good guy coming to beat the crap out of, you know, uh, the elite. He joins the elite. You got the shocking heel turn. Brand new. They could have ended it right there. Boom. Lights out. Flight of the Valkyries comes on. Out comes Daniel Bryan. And the crowd is going crazy. Yes, yep. yes, yes. Even though he can't do the finger point. Notice <laughs> that? He's he's doing everything. He's got his hands up and he wants to, but he can't. Anyway, we'll, we'll figure something out with that. But... Uh, after this show, like it was all it wrapped up neatly with a bow with, uh, you know, a good guy standing tall. Christian Cage had his good buddy standing next to him with uh, Brian Danielson. Jurassic Express was there. They all fended off the bad guys. You know, the hero still won the day despite, you know, not winning the match. So that was good. And then after the match, and you saw the video because I shared it with you last night, Daniel Bryan takes the mic. And he talks about why he's there, but he doesn't beat the crap out of the WWE. And if you see the entire video, he actually says, this is not going to be popular, but I do not hate the company that I just worked for. No, they, why would they, he? They, they paid, treated him well. Right. But a lot of times they default to, we hate the WWE, now I'm in AEW, but mm -hmm. they didn't do it. Very, very smart. And then he said, you know, he went through the reason why he's here because the talent in the back, he wanted to, and then he said, because I'm a goddamn wrestler. And he kept saying wrestler. And mm -hmm. right away, there's your dichotomy right between the two. One gives you sports entertainment. One gives you professional wrestling. And yeah, that's one's wrestling exactly, and one's a circus. But, but they're, they're, all, they're the same product. Let's be fair. There's no difference between the two product when you really, really break it down. But one stresses the fact that we are different. And you're, you've tailored the crowd to think that you're much different. And that's that's an extremely important play on uh, on AEW's part. So overall, man, I, I dug the shit out of this main event. I gave this four. I, I, I really loved it in, in, intensely. And I watch it on my phone about that right. big. So overall, you know, most of the matches were okay to good to great. Yeah. Um, like I said, Miro. One, one stinker. Miro Kingston and CM Punk Darby Allen were at the high end, you know, at the low yeah. end of the bottom was Paul Wright, QT Marshall, but they almost don't want to count that nothing on here. Other, I think the worst match on here, not counting the Paul White thing was, was Jericho and um, MJF, but even that wasn't like God awful. I don't know. It, maybe, maybe, you know what? I, I, I probably put Jericho over the Moxley match. So uh, was, I mean, that was okay. It was just okay, yeah. but we had just seen it with Kingston and uh, and Miro before that. It was same, same, same. Okay, this gets a solid B. That's where I'm going with this. You know, Ooh. nothing, nothing totally dragged it down. But it, it, this, people are inflating this because of their emotionality. You know, their attachment to some of these guys, their desperate need to trample the WWE. Um, and so, you know, and so again. Everybody, you know, it's like their baby. You know, my baby is the most special baby ever. AEW can do no wrong. And that's where you're getting a lot of these like five out of five, you know, Dave Meltzer type ratings. The truth no, of the matter not, is it's not, five, it's not five out of five. The truth of the matter is it was okay to good. It was, you know, but the best part about it was is that it was exciting and anarchic and you never know what's going to happen next. And that's better than all, collectively than all of the matches put together. All right. Um, with, with that said, uh, I'll give you the last word and then we'll get out of here. I'm giving it a A because I think they really, I think emotionality is a trick because Katie, getting that emotion from your fan base 
is what's the difference between WWE, which is an empty vortex, soulless, lifeless, limp dick of a promotion right now with Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash coming out on a day-to-day basis with Drew McIntyre jobbing out every single week with people that I do not want to see on my screen ever again. Again, no more New Day. No more. No RK bro. I No Viking Raiders. I don't care. A plus. Thank you. Well, not A plus. A. I give it A. Probably if I'm ranking this show, it's a four out of five. Very, very, very strong, but not excellent pay-per-view. All right. There so AEW has got another uh, special dynamite coming up. They're debuting at uh, the, the former Shea Stadium, Arthur Ashe Stadium now in Queens. Uh, and they're calling it AEW Grand Slam. Get it, baseball. Uh, so we'll re- So unless Chris Bailey is dragged into a meeting and can't do it, or his wife wants to spend time with him, either way, um, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, Chris Bailey, pay attention to me. Uh, we will be reviewing AEW Dynamite Grand Slam on Thursday, the twenty third, and then on the twenty sixth is Extreme Rules. We will be reviewing that on the twenty eighth. Um, will Harry be there? Will he not? Uh, Harry will definitely not be there for Dynamite, but he may be there for Extreme Rules. He may not be. Maybe if we don't have sorry, Harry, we'll have I Christian. I just had to throw up a little bit. I understand. Maybe if we don't have Harry, we'll have Christian back. One never knows. It's, you know, hey, did you Bring hear? back the Podsman. The fans have been demanding Christian come back. I Bring don't back the Podsman. I don't Podsman. doubt it. Podsman. So one thing about Daniel Bryan that I just wanted to say real quick is that he didn't get to use the final countdown by Europe uh, as his music because it was too expensive. But if you are like me and you love the final countdown by Europe, you can listen to it, seamless fucking transition, on amazonmusic.com. We have a link for you in the description of this podcast at getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network. That's getamazonmusic.com slash W2M network for a free 30-day trial of the Amazon Music Unlimited service. Uh, make sure you complete the sign-up process, and you'll get a free 30 days. If you like it, you keep it. If you don't, you cancel. No fuss, no must, no contracts, no pains in the butt. But I love it. You should love it, too. We use it all the time on the Metal Hammer of Doom for our end-of-the-night medley, where I get attention deficit disorder and have to play 97 other things. <laughs> Amazon Music is great for that. Everything that you could ever want to watch is on there. It's, it's a great service. Don't you think so, Chris Bailey? It is a wonderful service, and I cannot recommend it highly enough. And listen, if you're checking it out for free, what do you got to complain about? But I guarantee you, when you dig down in that library and you figure out that almost every single song you ever listened to in your childhood is right there for a very, very solid price of free, then all of a sudden you're going to go, I like this. I'm paying you, for that shit. You could be like Chris Bailey and sit in the dark with no pants on listening to the GoBots theme on AmazonMusic.com. <laughs> GoBots. Don't, don't, GoBots. Don't. <laughs> What an asshole. Mighty all Beatles. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, that's our that's all of our wrestling. You can check out our review of SummerSlam uh, in the archives. Chris Bailey, what do you got going on? Um, I don't have a heck of a lot of anything going on. I got a whole bunch of stuff going on at with the Superblog team up. That's what's happening. So we're, we're going to hell. Superblog team up goes to hell in October 22nd. So we're going to hear all kinds of the blogs all around. The blogs and the podcasts are going to unite to have one big event on a certain day. And we are going to talk about all things hell related. So there Yes, you. I'm reviewing the new Halloween album. Get it? Halloween. Goes to hell. hell. Halloween. Do you understand? Do you get it? Synergy. Synergy. Yes. yes. 
All right. <laughs> Enough stupidity out of the way. He's Chris Bailey. Wait, uh, what? Wait, wait. But, no, you're, you're, you absolutely are not cluing up this show without letting me say, be well, be safe, and behave. Stole your shit, motherfucker. Baby. Baby. <laughs>